0: I would like to now come in and welcome our guest this morning, and I believe it's John is going to be bringing us the message, the word this morning, so please, want to give a round of applause as we welcome up John, as he shares around God's word. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Lights are very bright. It's really a blessing for Julia and myself to be amongst, I feel like, uh, friends, even though most of you I don't know, but I feel a, a quite a strong connection. <clears throat> ah, to good people. And... Uh, you know, the people some of the people and uh, that i've met they're just really um uh so in love uh, i guess i would say they express the love of god very well and uh, that's so important isn't it it's one thing to um know god it's another thing to express the love of god to the people around you and i feel that the people here the ones that i know better they're really good at that and um It's really lovely to be. um, Well, I know speakers always get up and say it's a privilege to be here, but you know it is. It is. It's uh, it's quite something to be asked to speak on relationships. And um, as we said earlier, uh, for this part for for this part of the service, I'm going to be talking about relationships more in general. And then after the service, for a couple of sessions, going to be talking about. Uh, Content from this book which is about the seven principles for making marriage work. Uh, So a lot of the content I'm talking about is actually from a guy called John Gottman who's done a ton of research on really what things strengthen a marriage and what things weaken and ultimately if they continue will destroy a marriage. It's really practical, it's really good material, it's very well known in counselling circles. I've been a counsellor for... Over a decade now, I think uh, 12 years. Um, And I've learned, obviously, I've learned a lot about relationships to work with individuals and couples. Um, And so I've been in this field for a while. Prior to that, I was um, in the mission field with Youth with a Mission. That's where I met Julia. Julia came out to Australia to do a mission course with YWAM, and I was on staff at the time. We did a Um, A missionary trip to Thailand at the time and then uh, a little bit of back and forth because Julia's from Austria and so it took a while to to get across the line but we got there. We got married in 2000, about five years after we met and um, if I'm honest, I probably have learned more about love and relationships from Julia (laughs) than I think from anything else or anyone else. Um, and so i just want to honor her today she's an amazing wife and um and my uh, marriage has been incredibly rich and we've got four really lovely children um 15 to 20 so we've sort of got a household full of teenagers and up and um and that's del- <laughs> that's delightful And you know <laughs> it's hard work sometimes but it's it's lovely to have To have four great kids. Um, Let me just start when I'm talking about relationships in general. I was reminded of this. uh, We came a little earlier and joined the the prayer before the service. And a few people declared in that prayer time that the ultimate relationship, the most important relationship, the the relationship that we're going to learn the most about and from is our relationship with God and what Jesus teaches us. And has taught us in his life, death and resurrection, and our continued relationship with him. So there is no other, there is no better model than that. There is absolutely no better model in terms of what is required to have a strong relationship than in looking at the life of Jesus and what he has done for us. It's sacrificial, it's affirming, he created us he tells us what to do, he guides us in what not to do, and they're very practical things that help us love one another. But he's the he's the cornerstone, right? He's the one that has set the example for us to live by. What I'm going to be talking about today, well this morning in particular, so just to give you a bit of an idea, this afternoon is going to be very practical, or the sessions after this morning. So... Uh, I'm going to be talking about just very practical things about what works. If you do these things in your marriage, in your relationship, your relationship's going to get stronger. And if you do these other things, your relationship is going to get weaker. But this morning, uh, your marriage. But this morning, I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit less definite, a little bit less kind of black and white. This afternoon is quite concrete in terms of really concrete do's and don'ts. But we all know... That relationships aren't concrete in the complexities of working with couples over many years it's not black and white it's not do and don't so this afternoon it guides around you know practical things that will help but this morning I want to talk a little bit about something that's a little bit less difficult to nail and I believe it's a it's a teaching or a part of our lives that actually isn't given much attention And I think if I'm really honest I think sometimes when we allude to these parts of in church I think sometimes we can get the wrong message and that is primarily about emotion. So I want to talk about emotion in relationships this morning because God made us emotional. I don't even quite know why I kind of teared up a little early but that just happens. I find that happens um, when I take communion these days I think for the last six months or so you know how we've been taking them in those little I don't know how you guys do it we have been doing in those little things and I just get you know we gather and add little threes and fours and pray and I just can't get past God thank you and I just just can't talk anymore so you know we are uh, logical beings and we are emotional beings And we can put equal weight on both of those things. We can talk about things that are really logical and we can be very emotional. And sometimes that makes relationships really tricky because when we get emotional, the logic kind of goes somewhere else. And I'll tell you something very interesting about, about brain chemistry. Um, there's a part of our brain called the uh, the amygdala and then there's another part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex, right? So the amygdala is a tiny little thing back there somewhere and it's the amygdala that is kind of flares up when we get emotional. It's the emotional part of our brain, if you like. Now, when we get emotional, the amygdala kicks in and biologically the prefrontal cortex, the part that's logical, checks out. It actually just... This is what, you know, the, the, um, the science is telling us. So that, that literally, the part of our brain which is logical, very important, it's actually the chunky part at the front, it goes, OK, you have your time, I'll take a rest. And then the amygdala flares up and we get emotional and it helps us process that emotion. After a little while, normally if we get over, like really emotional, and we kind of need to bring that down, if you can go for a walk, breathe deeply, then the amygdala, you know, the, the chemicals in our bodies sort of settle down and slowly but surely the thinking part of our brain kicks in. Normally it takes about 20 minutes. So we all know that, right? We all know. That when we're overly emotional, we don't always think logically. And that's, you know what, that's just the way it is. That's the way we are designed. It's not wrong because God designed us that way. So what I want to talk about this morning is about paying attention to the emotion. Because in relationships, you know, we all know, right, that emotion plays an enormous part And if we don't handle that well, if we handle that poorly, if we just say that's just emotion, then we're in trouble. We're not listening to the data that's in emotion because in emotion there's data. There's really, really important data, information in our emotion. It may not It may not um, sound logical at the time. It may not sort of blend with our logic. But there's such rich and important, really important information in that emotion. So when it comes, we need to listen. And that, if there's any one take-home point... In this message, let me tell you, it's it's that. If you are in a relationship and someone is being emotional, that's the time when you need to start listening. And honestly, and I'm, I'm probably going to pick on guys a little bit today, but that's when guys kind of go, oh, well, let's just put that aside and, you know, kind of get on with it. Like, really? Or whatever. You know, we just don't listen to the emotion. and Because, you know, we are perhaps more logical and we put more weight on logic. So I'm not saying one is good or... In fact, the biggest mistake is to say that one is good and one is bad. What I'm trying to say is let's get the balance right. We've got to understand that when someone is being emotional something, there's a message in there that, that is trying to come out and we need to ask ourselves, what is that message? What, what? I know you may not be able to say it logically, but I need to start listening to that message. So let me give you an example. Um, so this is, anyway, this was a couple sometime, a long time ago and they come in and in a counselling context, quite often, you know, obviously stuff will come up that is a point of difference and they'll start discussing that, that, um, that struggle. So I'll, I'll sit back and I'll just kind of let them go out a bit and I'll observe how they interact around that problem. So in this case, in this time, the, um, the wife was saying that she was disappointed because on her birthday the husband had come home and wanted to take her out and just got home was flicking through the phone saying where you want to go and she was she was um, saying that she was quite hurt by that and in which case he kind of said well why like I'm, I'm home and uh, I want to take you out let's do something And as she's talking, she's welling up. So I'm sitting there and I'm sitting opposite and I'm seeing her well up, kind of about, you know, sort of tearing up, crying as she speaks and said um, that I don't feel important if you come home and you just flick through your phone and want to take me out because it kind of communicates to me that you haven't really thought about it beforehand. And so his logical brain does what? His logical brain says, well, I want to take you out. I want to take, let's go. It's your birthday, let's go out. And, I, and so the, the conversation is going back and forth and I'm noticing, I'm like he's paying zero attention to her emotion. He's just trying to make a logical point that I'm here, I want to take you out. Just because I didn't organise it, what's the problem? I'm not very organised and then he goes and talks about his busy day and why he couldn't do that and so on. Zero attention. So, you know, stop, hang on. Are you noticing what's happening here? So so the take-home message for that is, like, when there's emotion, there's clearly in this instance pain, disappointment, hurt. So what do you think is his primary job in that moment? Clearly, well, not clearly, because actually a lot of guys don't do this, is to attend to the emotion and say, darling, you're clearly upset. And, you know, I can see that you're upset. And and secondly, and probably equally important, is to validate that emotion. I can understand that you're disappointed because you wanted me to organise something And I've just come home and tried to rush through the process. So there's two things in that story. There's two things in that story. The first one is notice the emotion. Notice the emotion. The second thing is validate the emotion. Because that's the other thing. So we might notice that a person is angry or sad, confused, worried, whatever it is. Notice Validate. Now, we've all got a big... Well, a lot of us have got a problem with this because, uh, for starters, emotions are uncomfortable and a lot, for guys, I think, are more uncomfortable with emotion. So we tend to want to steer away from it. So what do we do? Most guys will try and fix the problem, won't they? Let's get logical and go, uh, Okay, so... Um, this is a problem, what are we going to do? So the problem with that is that they just kind of, they've completely missed the emotion and trying to get to solving it. And secondly, of course, they're not validating the emotion because they haven't even noticed it. So it's really important in relationships in general, and I'll touch on this a little bit in these following sessions, that if you want to connect... In Relationships in general, and this could be with men, this could be you know, with mates, this can be uh, with teenagers, far out, you know, like Emotion City, it, and, and, and with young kids as well, understanding and validating the emotions. So, if you think about it, I haven't even got to any scripture yet, but I'll, I'll get there. Um, If you think about it, what we do with kids growing up, and and probably with older teenagers as well, is that quite often a child will be sad or angry. And what what is the common... Well, it's a common comment with teenagers or youngsters is, if they're sad, what do we say? Don't be sad. If they're angry, what do we say? Oh my god don't be angry don't be angry you know come on if you if put on your happy face please like so often when when with those around us unconsciously we're invalidating other people's emotions we're actually telling them not to be something that ironically they already are so if someone's sad it's a little bit too late to say don't be sad because I can tell you right now the horse has bolted, right? They're sad. Now anger in the church, in, I, I think Christians, let, let me be clear. I think we do anger terribly. Terribly. For starters, I think probably half the people think that we probably shouldn't even be angry. That's a problem because if we're angry, it's the same problem. We're already angry telling someone not to be angry when they're angry is going to do what? It's going to make them more angry. Yeah? So really, you know, God, God created us incredibly emotional. It's not a problem. It's actually, it needs to be noticed. It needs to be spoken and it needs to be validated. I always think the kindergarten analogy works really well for me. If a little boy or girl falls over in a preschool age and scrapes their knee, they'll run to a parent or somebody they'll trust and they'll have a bit of a cry. You'll stick a Band-Aid on and what happens? About three minutes later, they're back out there playing. Now, why is that? If you break that down really simply, that's because a child has fallen fallen over... They've cried, so they're having the emotion. They've run to a parent and the parent has validated the emotion. For some reason, it's a little bit easier when a kid has a, a bloody knee. Oh, well, that must hurt. Well, then crying's okay. So I'll, I can, you know, it all works in that context because we, we, we see that there's pain, we comfort, we understand why they're crying And so we sort of we join with them in that process and because of that, three or four minutes later they're okay. And I believe they're okay partly because maybe the pain's gone away, but mostly because someone's attended to them in that pain and said, Oh, okay, you're you're hurt, I'll hold you, I'll understand why you're crying, I'll put a band aid on it and they're going, Thank you. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. I just need someone to go to hold me because I'm crying and I'm hurt. But then we get a bit older and someone's crying or hurt or angry. We go, "Uh uh-uh, don't do that. That's not okay. Or if we get an adult that's angry, we go, Oh, hey, hey, you know, back off. You can't do anger. So I'm not, now, I'm not going to go into that today because we can talk a lot about how to do anger well. So I'm not obviously I'm not advocating that people get angry and go and punch people or walls. So I'm saying that that's an expression of anger, right? The emotion the emotion itself is amoral because God, you know, we're created, and we've got joy and we've got happiness and we've got sadness and we've got anger and we've got all sorts of these complicated emotions. But we will go to great lengths, great lengths to not have those emotions. And then we get really poor at not validating it when other people have it. And I would say for relationships in general and for and working with couples, it's kind of two things. One is that individually we will go to great lengths to not have emotion. So we'll push it down, we'll uh, ignore it, we'll... Um, um, invalidate ourselves in a way. We'll just say, that emotion is not okay, I'm not going to have it. So not only have we got a problem with not validating each other's emotions, but we don't even validate our own. So we've got a That's That's a couple of problems right there. Thirdly, and this is something that just never ceases to astound me, is the lengths that people go to to avoid their emotion. Do you know why people do porn and drugs and workaholics and, and all sorts of things? A lot of those things that, that we're doing are avoidant behaviours of what? Difficult emotions and difficult experiences which create difficult emotions. So then you've got two problems. You've got the avoidant behaviour, which, which is something that can become huge, gambling, Right? Just, I, I, I just would prefer to sit in the dark room and pull a slot so that I don't have to think about that. I will not deal with it. And that's just something that I can do so that I can just get away from that. That is so destructive. That's the stuff that's killing relationships. The avoidant behaviour is the thing that's killing the relationships. And then, and then there's the, the avoidance of the, Difficult emotion. So the work in a counselling context is about creating a space where people can freely go to that underlying thing. The other stuff is kind of in a sense, okay, when you've got these behaviours, I'm always kind of holding this question, well, what are, you, what are you trying not to look at? We can talk about porn and gambling and all sorts of uh, behaviours and that's an important conversation. But really, the work is, is, isn't really about that. My question always is, what are you avoiding? What struggle have you not talked about? What struggle is so hard for you that you can't feel it? I was going to um, go to the Psalms, because I think the Psalms are a really good example and probably no better sort of exponent of this than David, right? Have you ever noticed with some of the Psalms that David will start with something quite illogical, and then by the end of the Psalm, he's gone and gone, but God, you are, boom. So he's sort of gone from rant sort of to truth. Um, let me give you an example of that. So Psalm 10, oh, I had a few examples, but I'm running out of time, so I won't, I won't show, read them all out. But Psalm 10 starts like this. Lord, you seem so far away. Why are you so far off? As though you don't care. Why have you hidden yourself when I need you most? Okay, so he's going, like, where are you? You're not here. I'm not happy. By the end of the psalm, he's saying, Lord, you know and understand all the hopes of the humble. And will hear their cries and comfort their hearts, helping them all. So he's gone from, where the heck are you? Right? I'm in pain. Where are you? You seem so far off. That's, that's an emotional thing, right? This is a, a, a song, probably, or a poem that David's wrote. And he's going, I'm not happy. I feel like you're miles away. I feel like you don't care. Does David really believe that? No. But he's, he's, he's having this moment where he's allowing himself to rant and get angry with God. And then he comes back to the truth. So that's kind of what happens, right? That's, I guess, what I'm trying to get across here. We, we can do that. We can do that with God. And let me tell you, we need to do that with each other. We need to be able to say, I'm not happy in a way that's, that's not criticizing, blaming, attacking Because, you know, what we do is when we've got this pain and we don't quite know how to manage it well, what do we do? If we don't own the emotion and talk about that emotion, then it comes out as blame and criticism. That's what happens. We turn it around. My stuff becomes about you. You're the problem. You made me angry. You did this. You did that Attack, and that's primarily because we're not owning the pain and the frustration that we have. So I'm just conscious of the clock up there and realise I've just got a few minutes to go. Can I keep going? Okay. All right. Let me give you a quote from. uh, and maybe some of you guys know Brene Brown. She's done this ridiculously popular TED Talk. Um, I think it's the fifth most popular TED Talk or something like that. She's written a lot of books on emotion. She, let me quote what she says. I understood that people will do most anything to not feel pain including causing pain and abusing power. We become terrified of feeling pain. So we engage in behaviours that become a magnet for more pain. We run from anger and grief straight into the arms of fear, perfectionism and a desperate need for control. So we will do, and and, and that was what I was testifying about before, we will do anything. We will go into extraordinarily avoidant behaviours to not feel pain. And that includes causing pain and abusing power. So what do we need to do? We need to listen. We need to listen to our own emotions. And we need to validate those emotions for ourselves. And secondly, and importantly, we need to listen to and validate the other. Emotion, the other person's emotional experience. And in relationships, and again, especially for guys, this is probably the most important piece of information I can give you in the context of relationships. Listen to the emotion and validate it. When the person close to you, whether it's your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or even your teenager or even your you know child or grandchild when they're having some an emotion don't don't just block it don't tell them not to have it look at it stare it stare the person in the face and say I can see you're really hurting right now that's what didn't happen in that counselling story I told you before. He completely, he was so busy trying to justify his action or inaction that he completely missed the person, the most important person in his life, completely missed it. I sat there and I i, I was just like, can't believe you're missing this. But, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? And then so... And so those two things are incredibly important. And then we might need to think a little bit about what are my avoidant habits or behaviours? What am I doing to not listen to my own emotion? Or importantly, what am I doing in the life of the other to miss their messages to me? Because once you, once you can do that well in a relationship context, then you're really, you know, it's, and I see it in the counselling room so often, when, I, when we finally get it around to the person noticing the other, I can just, I, I can see the person who's trying to be understood just, oh wow, I think you're getting it. I think you're getting it. That's so profound. And so instead of it being a thing that separates relationships, it becomes the glue that, that starts to bind relationships together. It's so effective. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it done poorly and how the people just can't get away from each other, can't get far enough on the couch. And then when it's the opposite, when they see the emotion and attend to the emotion, boom. It's just so obvious in the room. The counselling process really is about that. The counselling process for couples and individuals, I don't know, I want to say almost sadly, is about creating the space so that people can have that emotional experience and be validated. That's kind of it. And that could happen with a, in a relationship, you know, with a bit of concentration and a bit of understanding, you can do that. It's really not rocket science. But you have to understand that, of course. You need, that, you need to understand that emotion is important information. And we dare not invalidate it. Maybe I'll just wrap up and if the keyboard player can come up. And I'll summarise with a story out of Matthew 26. 36 to 38. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. So this is just before, this is the lead up to the most painful and difficult time in, in Jesus' road to the cross. Just those last few days. And he's having a really, <laughs> to say the least, a really hard time, right? He doesn't actually want to accept the road. Let me read it. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and, and he said to them sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled, sad, anguish. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Be with me. They're my words. Stay here and keep watch for me. Going a little further, he fell to his face and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me? Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus' great triumph over sin and death required a journey of pain and sorrow to the point where he asked if there was another way but then still said I'll, I'll do it but that point of pain and sorrow for him was really obviously incredibly difficult but he didn't avoid the pain did he he didn't say, he just said this is hard is there another way no there isn't i'll do the will of the father so he accepted that and he walked the painful road to calvary he didn't avoid the pain but a part of him wanted to so we too We too would prefer to avoid the pain. That's what we would prefer. That's the easier way. But the road to greater freedom and stronger relationships, and that's a relationship with ourselves, a relationship with God, and our relationship with each other, is to walk through that pain and not avoid it. Because on the other side of that, if we sit with that pain or we sit with the other person's pain and we validate that pain, that's walking through it. That's not skirting around. That's not trying to do something that just takes our mind away from it. Often a destructive process. But we walk through it. We walk through it with the other and in the context of relationships that's what we need to do we need to sit with our husbands wives children friends and validate their experience allow them be a conduit to help them walk through that that painful experience whatever it was and that painful experience might have something to do with you So You kind of need to go, I'm going to allow you to express that pain without getting defensive, without trying to explain why I did or didn't do something and just sit with your emotion and validate your emotion and be with you in that place and say it's okay for you to say it, it's okay for you to feel it, let's do this together. So I think I'll finish on that note just to say and encourage you, I hope, that feelings and emotions are a big part of the way God made us. A big part. It's not the only part. There's lots of great instruction, great logic that God gives us. Things to do, things not to do that will help our relationships. But emotion is a a big part of how he made us. And we need to recognise that, not push it aside and and go with it and help other people go with it.